Kia ora whanau, welcome back to another edition of the Department of Conversation. What number are we up to, Jace? What is it? 57, 57th one, 057 of the Department of Conversation. Now, one of the things, if you like what we're doing, if you're enjoying uh, the content, uh, we'd really appreciate a couple of things. The first is t- uh, you could go and subscribe to us on YouTube because we need to get some more subscribers there, which helps us do a few things. You need to get to a certain number before they'll allow you to do it. So go and look for us on YouTube and subscribe to us there. Also, if you're not listening to us on iTunes, go and subscribe to our iTunes uh, audio podcast as well. And if you are already subscribed there, then feel free to uh, kind of give us a review and maybe a bit of a comment there as well, a recommendation to others. Also, anytime you feel like sharing our content, it just really helps us and uh, it helps us grow into where we're trying to go with this podcast. Uh, the other thing you can do, is go to our new URL. It's www.thedoc.nz. Thedoc.nz. On that page, there is uh, also access to merch, and we do have merch for sale. There are T-shirts, there are caps, they are there are um, mugs. Uh, depending on when you get this, will all of those be up yet? I don't know, but they are there. And anything you purchase and buy obviously helps us to uh, run this little thing that we're doing as well. Uh, also, all the links to Facebook pages and all the other episodes are up through there as well. www.thedoc.nz. So, really interesting character uh, to have a chat to today. It's Guy Williams. Guy Williams is a stand-up comedian, entertainer. Uh, he kind of has a bit of a feel of that old-school entertainer. You know, someone who does a little bit of everything. He does a little bit of uh, MCing. He does um, a fair bit of uh, comedy work, probably where he's strongest and does most of his uh, actual work. But he does TV and he does radio as well and he writes. Uh, Really interesting chat. He has a very interesting partnership as well. We'll get into that in more detail when you hear Guy Williams, which is for you right now. We are live with Guy Williams. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, dude, it is such such a pleasure to have you here. Is it? Yeah, it is. The word pleasure is weird, eh? It is a weird word. Like, <laughs> I'm glad to hear you're experiencing pleasure right now. Thank you. Um, well, you've arrived in Dunedin on one of our typical 30 degree it's days. It's unbelievable out there. <laughs> and I'm stoked to be here. Like, Dunedin is such a great place. I love it. I said this before. We'll say it again. They talk about Wellington being the little Melbourne. And Dunedin being the little Wellington. And I think that's a pretty good guess. It's okay. a pretty good vibe. It's a, you're setting a very low bar there if you're just trying to be the little Wellington. Well, just like, you know, the the the, the, the vibe, the cultural aspect, the Cuba Street Centre, the, that's what they say. <laughs> you could try what's, and be like the... What's um, Bucket Fountain then? What's the, what's the like thing that they're really proud of but it's actually a bit shit? The Bucket like, Fountain's not shit. It's awesome. No, I don't think that's shit either. I think it's well, really cool. Having lived in Wellington for eight years, I've, I've many a time almost fell on my ass because the pavement's wetter than the actual fountain. <laughs> okay, well, oh, you've got a lot of problems walking near a Bucket <laughs> Fountain. Just stay away from the Bucket Fountain, I reckon. It sounds like the problem's more you there. Yeah, but um, uh, Dunedin has a ton of brick brack that they claim is good that is not worth looking at. I love Dunedin, so I'm not crapping on the town here. No, go for it. But they, um, they claim that people always say that the... Um, uh, the train station is the most photographed building in the southern hemisphere. Yeah, that is crazy. I don't that know. Is, no, that's absolute bullshit. That's you not know, even about in like the, the Sydney, ballpark. The Sydney Opera House. It's not least. even the most photographed building in New Zealand. What would probably be? the Beehive or the Sky Tower? Probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, whenever people say that to me... The Harbour well, Bridge, like, does that yeah. count in Auckland? Not the, I'm not saying these things are good. I don't rate the Beehive or the Sky Tower. I'm just saying that the, the Dunedin train station is like, be like... If it's top five in New Zealand, I'll be impressed. I, I have always struggled with that number as well, just purely based on population. Because people will say like 168 um, cruise ships come in here, but those ones 
probably also go to, to Auckland be, to be fair, and though, to other places as well. To be fair, if you go down there right now, I guarantee you would probably the amount of cameras at least three. Camera people, guaranteed. <laughs> no, without even word of it. Okay, it's I, like the Sydney Opera House. It's crazy. It's manic down there. I, I feel, with exactly. that crowd control for the three people. There's, there's people that literally stand in the middle of the road to take a photo, and then there's the other two guys. Yeah, no, but like there's, there is people taking photographs there, but that also is because, let's be honest, I love Dunedin. Again, this came from a place of love. <laughs> there's not a lot of things to take photos of here. There's not a lot of like must-see tourist attractions, and, and everyone just goes to the... Um, train station partly because it's quite a nice building but it's just near where you, the octagon and where you go you've got to go to you got to go to Baldwin Street to get that Instagram photo where you're like leaning forward but the street is like horizontal you've got to get that Instagram photo that's, yeah. if you, especially if you're like an influencer you know yeah. <laughs> I just I just wonder I keep hearing I love Dunedin but that sounds a bit like I'm not racist but yeah yeah, yeah it might know, not be good but like <laughs> hear me out the um, street art is genuinely yeah, amazing and now amazing. I am not a big street art fan I don't know if it's good or what's bad but um, the the Ed Sheeran portrait that everyone hates yeah. is amazing. People hate it because it's not very Dunedin to paint a um, photo of a, a British singer. It's a beautiful portrait of it's, Ed Sheeran. It's, it's pretty Dunedin to have a big ginger on the wall. Yeah. Though, so. <laughs> and there's like 12 other artworks that I've seen today that have just like knocked my socks off. Genuinely, I don't know how, how do they paint them that big? I, I don't know. They're, these like, are freaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy how many skills there are. I was just thinking how how lucky I am to be a comedian. Like a comedian, you charge money and people come in and you just ramble on stage for an hour and then leave. And don't get me wrong, I mean, if you make people laugh, it is that is worth a lot. Yep. But think of all the skills out there that are mind-blowingly amazing that no one gives a toss about. Like stand-up comedy, heaps of people can do that. It's not that difficult a skill. You can learn it, right? Break dancing unbelievable people doing like 12 head spins in a row just going warm 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 and then afterwards you're lucky you might get like a smattering of applause <laughs> and maybe someone throws a five dollar note your way that's all you get if you're a street artist maybe if you're lucky the council will give you like a grand to do a picture or something you know do you do you consider I think, yourself I think, I think ed was four Eight, yeah, and that's the, the peak of that guy's career. And he's <laughs> the most talented mother F I've ever seen in my life. And he didn't want to paint Ed Sheeran either. I mean, he's not happy with that situation either. <laughs> and I'm not hating on Ed Sheeran. It's, it is weird. But there's just so many pieces of art out there that are amazing. Some of them are a bit crap as well. But, yeah, I mean, that's what you get. You get, you get the good and the bad and the ugly. The thing that uh, some people have very wisely done with their street art in Dunedin is there's some places you need to go inside to see the street art on the outside. Like there's a little uh, cafe, Jay, she might remember what it is. Uh, it's in Bath Street. It's like one up from Strawberry Sound. And you go inside and they've got like this alleyway outside that's blocked off. So you can't walk down the alleyway. But when you walk inside and sit down at the table, look out the window into the alleyway, street art on it's, the wall. It's so that's good. Cool. It's that's as cool. good as like a, a nice um, vista if it's done well, I think. It's beautiful. But then again, you know, there's a, that's the other parallel with Wellington, isn't it? Because Wellington, you pretty much every corner, you stand on the corner and you can see uh, a coffee shop. Well, actually, you, know, you see five coffee shops <laughs> and a piece of public art. But in Wellington, they've got more money, so it's a sculpture rather than just a picture on the wall. I so. love how much you guys love Wellington. That's great. I think that... I like Wellington. <laughs> I moved from Auckland to here and um, my vibe was, I, I love Wellington, like the city. This does feel a bit like that. Well, I had a mate around here yesterday... Um, driving from the airport and, and even some of the views and stuff, the kind of hills and the yeah. crazy little roads and that Stunning. shit. And, yeah. um, I was going to say, 
not to ask this kind of it sounds like a disrespectful question when I ask no, it no ask full disrespect man go hard do you consider yourself a comedian like first and foremost because and this is why I sort of remember you coming on the scene as a pretend expert on a morning television show when you snuck on is, am I right in saying it yeah was that's that sort how of started, the, yeah. was that sort of the first time the people the public really knew about you um, well yeah, yeah I don't even know if they knew about me then it takes a, a, a long time to get known in public but um, I started as a stand-up, yeah. and my first time on TV was appearing in a stand-up competition on Jono's new show, Die Henwood's Protégé, was the right. name of the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I started doing that, and from there, luckily, the producers liked me and gave me a job like as a production assistant on the Jono show, and then that my, my job was to trick the news every week, and I tricked the news so well that week that they got me on the news, which was amazing. And what were you going on as? Um, a pro whaling ag- advocate, like a like a right wing like libertarian dude who thinks that the only way to save the whales is whale farming, which is not crazy, but it's, it's crazy. Cra- it's no, it is crazy. It's crazy. You, you, you. I, I'm going to change my opinion now. That you said it's not crazy. <laughs> it's, it's the, the idea is not. I, I'm not totally against that. Like I'm not normally into like a lot of the, like the um, right wing. Um, economic ideas, but that one there, I'm like, yeah, okay. If you want to save a bird or something like that, farming it is a way to give chickens. financial in- in- incentive. Ch- to chickens keep it are the, the number one birds in the world at the moment because they're farmed and eaten. Yeah, There's oh, is that it? Right oh, you found it, bro. I didn't even know. Look That's that. me. That was my first. Holy yeah, it was, crap, it was my first well-known appearance on TV. You're 14 yeah. there. Uh, yeah, I would have been like <laughs> 19, 20, 21. And 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 when did they find out? Like, did you release it as you? I can't remember the exact bit, but were you? Give us a bit of volume. Oh man, you're really going back here. I've I, even I'm not interested in talking about this anymore. That New Zealanders consider this. No, poor, well, getting poor Henry's even. At better. the moment, we have a system that is broken. <laughs> uh, many. It's pretty good though. I look the part because I went to uni in Wellington, and there was a lot of um, act on campus people there, and the act on campus people, I just like kind of mimicked what they would say, um, talking about the market failure and the free market. Um, how great it's going to be for the whales. But just the problem is just farming whales is going to be incredibly difficult. Did you get sillier and sillier and sillier? Like when nah, you get- nah, it kind of, it was a bit of a weird one. I didn't know how to play it. Yeah. And um, I just decided to go and do the interview and just do as well as I could. And then I, um, I gave them some merchandise, which they put on their table. And then I met the Prime Minister, John Key, because he was the interview after me and <laughs> talked to him about whaling. And he was quite, I was impressed by John Key. I'm not a big John Key fan, but... Um, when he met a wh- uh, me, the in character as a whaling advocate, yeah. he blew me away how well he handled, like, obviously, as the Prime Minister. It's your nightmare guy you got to talk to, a guy who's like, hey, Prime Minister, i got some um, big news about a whale farm I'm setting up. Yeah. And then after that, <laughs> when I was walking out, I met Michael Hill Jeweler, who was coming in, yeah. and he had seen the interview already. I don't know how. Like, he must have a TV in his car or something. And um, he was like, um, I love the idea, son. It was like meeting... Um, like Richie Rich's dad or something, this eccentric billionaire who was like, not only do I love the idea, but I've got a diamond boat that's mining diamonds off the coast of Samoa. And when it's done with that, um, I'll get my boat to come and help you with your whaling farming idea. (laughs) He gave me his business card. How weird is that, eh? It's crazy. Yeah, so I did that. You got a, you got a window into the Illuminati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was really yeah bumping shoulders with the big dogs, and that came crashing down. About um, it was weird because I left TVNZ and it was like a failure. Like no one texted me, or social media wasn't really that big then. So I just walked sadly back to TV three. <laughs> like it was like a long walk of shame back home. And then when I got back to work, people were like, oh, you did all right. And then it was like the next day that it was the front page of the Herald. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I, it, it was then when I realised that journalists 
Um, and when I say journalists, I mean like um, I mean like New Zealand popular journalists who are just sent on entertainment stories like this. Maybe don't dig as deep as they should, <laughs> because they just let Paul Henry off the hook. He just trumped his way out of it. He was just like, nah. I was never tricked. Nah, it was fine. And they kind of, while they did have, the, the cover story was, you know, Paul Henry hoax, the Great Breakfast hoax, or whatever it was called on the front page. He just was allowed to just deny his way out of it and there was no further questions when clearly he had no idea that this was a, the whole thing was a scam and that the whole idea is just ridiculous. Yeah. So the reason I asked the question is that's sort of, I guess, where you got more well-known to the public. And then there's a lot of radio and television presenting. Yeah. But uh, do you, that's right, but, but stand-up is, is number one? I was trying to one. do comedy then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I start, so I just started in stand-up and then got into TV accidentally, as I said, through. At the time, I was just doing, you just, when you start in stand-up, you just do heaps of competitions. So there's the Raw competition, which is really awesome. Yeah. Then you do the Billy T competition. There's all these little competitions you do. And, you know, your first time on stage is normally to win a bar tab of $250 or whatever, yep. and you, you going hard for it and then um there's this other competition that got me on tv and then i just started on tv kind of without ever like really i mean i always wanted to be on tv don't get me wrong but it was never really a plan it just happened i was just so fortunate mm. that i the, the moment i got into stand-up new zealand comedy blew up nothing to do with me it was seven days yep. and then all of a sudden tv3 went big on comedy and needed some comedians and um young ones and i just perfectly hit the deal you know, i was cheap and available and um yeah i got my start yeah very fortunately through John and Ben and then New Zealand the thing that I wrote in like a little who's coming on tomorrow is that it seems that you've finally found your straps with NZT with New Zealand Today and then TV3 goes you know there's no money so it's that that the place that you seem to have found your absolute you know this is me at my best as a presente type comedy television thing they've gone yeah we've had we've, fuck, we've had enough of that yeah. we'll, we'll move on so uh, we talked to Di last week as well about TV3 and what's going on there it really genuinely has impacted you obviously yeah I didn't I didn't I didn't really I don't know too much about it but um it was good luck. The positive spin I'm putting on it is that it's good luck that I got dumped at the time when I was doing the best I've ever done. Yeah, so true. I'm re- I've got a good product to sell, which is the positive spin. The negative spin is that New Zealand traditional media is struggling and it's hard out there to get a job, but yep. I'm trying my best and fingers crossed things work out for me. But um, yeah, it was, it was, it was really interesting because every year at TV3 because when I started when I started when I was doing that interview on um, Paul Henry's show like thing was things were grim then like the they put a um, complete freeze on any purchases and you couldn't buy assets so as a result we were renting our cameras and like everything was kind of run down and C4 was kind of coming to a close it wasn't too bad but and it wasn't as bad as things would get but my point is things were tight then yeah. and they just got tighter and tighter over the years and every year I was like sure I'm going to get fired this year and I didn't get fired and the funny thing is this year was the one year where I was like oh I've nailed I'm in, it yeah I'm good I'm all good <laughs> and I get fired I'm like damn it <laughs> so really it was a miracle to be honest that I lasted um, nine years and so I'm very grateful to TV3 that I lasted nine years I'm, I'm pissed that I got fired but um well, I can't complain. Like, I'm so lucky you can be to so many comedians. Talking to Corbett when Seven Days started up, because obviously uh, a lot of us back in the day doing things like theatre sports and stuff, you know, the Seven Days model is that sort of impromptu, off-the-cuff comedy, various games, repetitive sort of thing. And I remember talking to Corby about who owns this, and he basically said, well, we had to give ownership to TV3 to make the thing happen, so they become employees of their own thing. What about New Zealand Today? Do you own it? Can you take it out? No, TV, TV3 owns that too, so um, yeah, maybe I'll, maybe they'll give it to me, maybe they'll be nice, maybe they'll sell it to me, who knows. But it's not, um, with all these things, they're not strong brands, I don't think. It's like 
me traveling around the country just interviewing people from New Zealand is not a very you know like I could just call it New Zealand Weekly and start the show yeah, again sure. that's not a threat to TV3's legal department I'm just <laughs> I'm just saying if Seven Days want to start up and call themselves the week One that week. was yeah, 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 yeah. it's not that hard yeah. Um, so have you? Ha- uh, so you no longer with TV Three? Is it like you? You don't. You're giving your full well, card. Well, never really back with and- them. I've always been like a contractor. Right. So um, the only time I've had any job stability is when I work, where I worked in radio. Because weirdly, New Zealand, the radio industry is still going great guns. Yeah. Every other media is like you know biting it. Um, newspapers, journalism's in trouble. TV, obviously, and then radio's going from strength to strength. So I worked in radio for three years and was an employee then. But then every time I've worked just in TV, I've always just been a contractor. So right. yeah, it's quite interesting. But I felt like I worked at TV three. Like besides having like healthcare and sick days, I um I loved uh, TV three. It was like a for a long time. It was like this amazing. It was an amazing company for many years until um Weldon came in and fired everyone. Like it was genuinely like a big family, like a small mm. community underdog fighting thing where John Campbell was our uncle and <laughs> Hilary Barry was our auntie and it was awesome yeah I had yeah it was an awesome place to work do you reckon there'll be an exodus a flood of people across the TVNZ I mean there already has been I'm thinking because Ursula and some of those guys are doing a comedy show on TVNZ yeah. and the Hillary's of this world and the John Campbell's do you reckon there'll be another exodus people looking for a paycheck for next year well people want a job uh, it's not an exodus it's just people getting a job wherever they can like if I got a job somewhere else it wouldn't be an exodus it would just be me getting a job because I need one. <laughs> it's like that. It's, it's that simple. It's but, like there's not many jobs out there now. But there's nothing to say that Sky or, uh, you know, uh, Seven in Australia will buy it and then all of these things will come back again. That's the other option, isn't it? I have no idea. Well, New Zealand Today is not looking good because they formally can, um, canned it. But um, I don't know. I actually, sorry, man, I, it's not something I'm an expert on. I've been asked about this a lot. People are like, what's the vibe at TV3? I'm like, yeah. I haven't been there in months. Right. No, 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 no clue. No, I ask everyone and some people are like, yeah, it's coming back, man. It's going to be all good. And other people are like, no, nah, it's doomed. <laughs> but I think the more interesting thing is just that media in general is, and I wrote a column about this this week, is that every media company in New Zealand's in trouble. The only ones who are doing good are um, ones that are owned by the government. So that's TVNZ, Multi TV, Radio New Zealand. Yep. Um, commercial radio is still going fine. Yep. So I guess those are doing fine. News Talk ZB, the we're, Edge, we're the trying Rock. To, We're trying to knock them off, eh? Yeah? Jace, we're trying to knock the commercial radio Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. Yeah, Podcasting is going to be coming for them. We're the new media, whatever, <laughs> whatever that means. Quite old new media, but yeah, <laughs> totally. And then, um, Yeah, because that's what we were saying the other day. Like, that's... The people don't even know these days. Yeah, we're probably old enough that we know why it's called a podcast. But yeah, so you ask, you ask like little like Gen Xs. What no? What is it Gen Zs? They don't. They probably wouldn't even know why, why it's is called, it called a, pod- a podcast. Because because podcasts became about when iPods were launched. Oh, iPod. so iPods, obviously, you know, so yeah. iPod podcast. I wonder if Steve radio, Jobs came pod, up with that iPod name. Probably. It's, I don't think that's the thing. I don't think it was obviously trademark because everybody uses the word. Well, everybody uses it, it now. But, a little TM after but it. But working in radio, as you'll know, what we used to call it was audio on demand. And now all the breakfast radio shows now are doing podcasts where their 30 minute highlights get uploaded. They're no longer audio on demand. They're all podcasts. Yeah. Which yeah. I think sucks actually. Cause I get into the charts as podcasts and they're not really podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm <laughs> sorry, <laughs> man. Everyone has struggles. A little bit bitter about yeah. that one. <laughs> sounds, uh, sounds tense. But you're on tour at the moment. Uh, now I'm also saying, am I right in saying the odd clip for New Zealand today still being uploaded? Are you still doing pieces or are they just older pieces that are being uploaded to well, Jono and Ben's page? What we learned is a lot of people hit me up on the street. We go, I love New Zealand today, man, watching it every week. Yeah. And then what I found is they weren't watching it every week. They were watching YouTube uploads yeah, every yeah. week. Because that's the thing. Like New Zealand media has been decimated. It's weird we're living in this 
cave pretending like like every young person is not just watching YouTube and nothing else, pretty much. It's worrying when you see the bullcrap that's on YouTube. Hey, <laughs> is this on YouTube? Shout out to YouTube. What a, what a channel. <laughs> but like, like um, yeah, it's just, the, it's people aren't like, it's not like in 10 years things are going to change. Things have already changed. It's yeah. like, Spark Sport, people are like outraged, but it's like, that's not the future. That is the now. Like, yep. I stream NBA on my phone. Everything else goes through streaming. Um, it's just weird that, you know, like most of New Zealand is a bit older and just slower to adapt. There, there is that because we're finding as well that, you know, the, what we're doing here is sort of an offshore model with what's happening in America and offshore and, and being being monetized and making good money, the New Zealand media landscape and advertising landscape is a bit behind. They don't quite understand it yet. I don't know why that is, but you're right. There are the, Maybe it's the decision makers are like, oh, that's tomorrow's technology, but they're not realizing it's actually the way the world's doing it today. So here's the problem, though, is that New Zealand is tiny yep. and... In America, it makes sense. You do, the New York Times can exist. Um, podcasts can exist because they broadcast worldwide. Like yep. That's probably for a lot of American podcasts, half their fan base is overseas, mm-hmm. you know, and um, that's the problem is that, like, can a niche New Zealand thing survive? And obviously things from New Zealand will lord it and um, and be successful overseas when New Zealand's just a small part of it, like um, the Black Hands podcast, the David Bain podcast, yep, I think. Yep, I think yep. that went worldwide because it had like 8 million downloads or something, and yep. there's not even 8 million people in New Zealand to listen to it. I mean, I listened to it about five times, but um, <laughs> I don't think everyone in New Zealand did that. The point, the point is probably only had like, you know, 300,000 listeners in New Zealand, but worldwide it went crazy. Yep. And um, I have no idea if any of those numbers are correct, but... There'll be a few examples of that. And my dream is that New Zealand today can be, with a bit of help, successful overseas as well. But for things that are in New Zealand, New Zealand-focused, that only New Zealanders will know about, it's going to be really difficult. And is there a market for that? And the answer is possibly not. Well, I think I, I think if we can uh, – and I, I know, I'm thinking – this is what we're trying to do right now. So talking from experience and a lot of research, like a, a, a local breakfast radio show yeah. will be lucky to have 10,000 listeners. Yeah, they'll make a million bucks a year in revenue. Yeah. So if a local podcast in New Zealand can get, let's say, 20,000, which is not unheard of, then it should be monetizable. It's just a matter of educating the advertisers. It's a better use of their money. That's kind of genius. And I think podcast listeners are probably a bit more loyal as well. Yeah. Like radio, you kind of are stuck with it. It's just because there's three channels in your car and you pick your favourite and you go with it. Whereas podcasts, if you're listening to this podcast, you're specifically wanting this podcast. or yeah. you're specific, And it can be really niche. Like There's so many Dungeons and Dragons podcasts these days. <laughs> and it's like, if you're a fan of a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, you can be a hardcore fan. And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, so I, I, Thanks I, for giving me hope, man. No, well, I, I, I don't disagree with you about scalability because that's mm. what it sounds like you're talking about. I mean, you know. I the, know I'm an idiot. The, yeah. the Rogans of this world have tens of millions of downloads. No New Zealand podcast ever going to do that. But if you say advertisers in New Zealand are happy to spend money on a show that's got 10,000 listeners, then of course if they're educated and it, let's say it costs them less, they're yeah. going to spend money on a podcast that's got 20,000. It's just That's just numbers. I don't know. Uh, that, that's my hope as well, though. So maybe I'm trying to convince myself. Uh, well, no, good on you. I, I, I mean, I, I hope so. The, the, the other hard thing is um, – the less and less money that advertisers have to spend. I know there'll always be advertising out there, but like the way that's shriveling up as just in general, like the number of, it's very hard to get like a local business to sponsor your thing now because most businesses are national or 
international. Yeah. It's, 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 I don't know. I, uh, the, the world is changing and hopefully for the better. As a consumer, I prefer it. So yeah. that's that's a good thing. Um, and I love the, the content that government-funded shows. Like New Zealand, we're lucky. We have Radio New Zealand and we have some good stuff that's funded through New Zealand on air as well. So we're very lucky. New Zealand Today was funded through New Zealand Today. New do Zealand do you yourself? You know, this is a really stupid interview question. No, nah, go okay. stupid, man. But, but do you watch TV? Do you, do you no. watch broadcast TV at all yourself? No, not really, no. So, yeah, so that's the same with me. Like, I don't even have an aerial at home. We watch everything on demand. And so we kind of like, we can't, none of us can kind of complain about broadcast TV going away because we're we the reasons we're doing it. The, the funny thing is, is people love saying that to me as well. They're sort of, they're sort of like, um, how you going, man? <laughs> Sorry, man, I don't watch TV. And I was like, no one watches TV. <laughs> it's available on an on-demand service, three now is when New Zealand Today was, and then, um, or is, and then it, we put it on YouTube as well. Like, well that's where oh, I saw all John and Ben clips. That's where I've seen pretty much every clip I've seen of, of you know, New Zealand Today and everything you've done is literally Facebook. You know? the, the funny brag is when people go, I don't even own a TV. It's like, you don't have to. Yeah. And, and people, people like, they're acting like they've got like vinyl records or something like that. It's not. It's <laughs> just you're watching, on, you're watching Netflix on a laptop. It's like, Grimmer, get a TV, plug your laptop in. Well, because your your YouTube clips, I had a look on the John O'Brien page last night, uh, you know, 170, 180, 200,000 views. Oh, it's killing that, it. It's so Zealand, lucky. For New Zealand, that's, that's obviously international. Can we I mean, scrub that, me saying killing it? That was so embarrassing. <laughs> but I'm really, I'm really stoked that so many people and Reddit and stuff have got behind it. It's awesome. Yeah. So lucky. So, I mean, you know, I guess what we do in New Zealand is we we try and figure out how to make those models work on a lesser scale yeah. to what they work internationally. Yeah. And, and I think that's what I'm about. I'm about, you know, if we can make a realistic – I mean, no one's going to say you're going to do a podcast or, a, you know, like a white man behind the desk kind of broadcast and, and make a million bucks a year. Mm. But if you can bring in a, a, a an income to go alongside perhaps what else you're doing – yeah, mm. why not? Yeah, it's 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 the dream. And um the crazy thing about New Zealand today is that it's had no marketing. Like there was no budget from TV3 to market it. This is TV I'm not not complaining about TV3 here. I'm just saying that's the reality of the financial situation they were in. So they didn't market it really at all besides through their channel, which yeah. is which is not huge. And then um it just through word of mouth and virality, people sharing it, it has done well. So I'm I'm absolutely thrilled. I'm like, man, if we had the support of a major media company, um, we could uh, we could do really well. That's the dream, anyway. Well, the other thing about the advertising you're talking about before about the advertising dollars are disappearing. It's part of the reason is because businesses have so much control. I work with a couple of businesses in Dunedin doing um, consultancy for them for their sort of advertising and marketing presence. I've got a I can't I work with a a vegetable store down here of all places and they deliver vegetables for free and we're just about to deliver them to Gore put up a post on Facebook yesterday this guy shows no advertising no advertising no boosting no nothing it's reached 17,000 people amazing 17,000 people now know that this is this is now coming to the so, so they don't need to spend money on advertising Man, to get this word we should out. change our podcast to a vegetable podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> if there's a market for vegetable podcasts, people are interested in vegetables. Nah, let's do it. Here's the problem, though. I'm sorry to be real serious about it, is that Facebook is evil. Yeah. And think of the number of businesses and news sites and stuff that have come through Facebook and social media channels, and all they do is just change their – they get you hooked – on their algorithm and then they change the algorithm and then you're in trouble again. And I have to spend money on Facebook to advertise, even though I've supposedly have like 80,000 followers on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't reach them unless you pay the money. It's crazy. Is that right? But that's the reality. Have you not, have you not, do you not know about this? Yeah, I like think sponsored and boosted posts. Yeah, we, no, yeah, we, totally. cause we do that. Well, cause you know, like even, even ourselves, we've, we haven't got a huge following yet, but we've got a, an, a, an okay starting point for numbers wise. And if you're to go percentage of people who watch a video versus the percentage of that, it's like, 
like one or two percent of the people who are actually following the page watch the videos we do, mm. unless we boost them and pay Facebook. Because you know there was people talking about it this a while back. You know, Facebook when they first started, they were like, "Come to us, bring us your yeah, content, yeah, yeah, bring yeah, us your yeah. content. We'll help you push it to the world." And and they did that, and then they got they went, Poof. and then once people started, you know, got used to the fact, just like literally what you were just saying, you know, people got used to the fact that it had been stuck out there. They're like, okay, now you have to pay us. Yeah, to it's it genius. They've yeah. um, they've tricked us and this worked well. And, and to be honest, for me personally, and I don't want to do this, I don't want to support Facebook, yeah. but the main place I advertise, the only place I spend money on advertising is on Facebook. So I'm part of the problem. I never pay for local radio or um, newspapers or anything like that. And that's unfortunately... I'm the worst person in the world, I just realised. <laughs> that's why every conversation I have, it just comes back to me being the problem. That's that's that, that's the problem, mate. Um, here, this interests me. Is this podcast vaguely based on the Joe Rogan concept? I think it would be fair to say, like, so we live stream our video. He's a yeah. of the video. Live is this live right now? We're live right Are now. Are we live right now? Yeah. <laughs> live, live to YouTube no, and Facebook, no ironically. So. No, no <laughs> one's watching on, on, on Friday afternoon. Maybe they'll watch the replay or something but, like that. Somebody's saying, yeah, NZ today is fucking awesome, man. Love it oh, actually watching you. on YouTube there you go there's somebody on the comments oh, saying that thank right you now. so much for that person um, or um, you just making that up in your head <laughs> and then we give a shout out to Jen yeah shout out to Jen oh shout out to Jen and then we rip the audio off and send it to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. So, cool. and that, and that, and also the thing that we do that he does, I guess, is the long form conversation. Yeah, you know, just kind of people on who are interesting. It's a real, it's a real negative for this as well because we don't have a niche, but it's a positive because they seem to be pretty interesting. Most yeah, of the time. yeah, just interesting chat is yeah. is worthwhile. I don't think I'm a good guest for that, but um, good. I, I love the concept. Tell me this though, are you guys? Um, fans of the Joe Rogan podcast out yeah. of interest it's yeah. not supposed to be like a loaded question but it yeah. kind of feels yeah, it feel, like it, it feels, it feels, it feels like, like a loaded like question sh- I'm, I'm a fan of the Joe Rogan podcast but we're not a fan of necessarily Joe Rogan's points of view well, look, this is I, how, should run for, I should run for Prime Minister how I would respond <laughs> to, to that is um, I'm very selective in the ones that I listen to but if I see a guest I'm interested in yeah I'll listen yeah because he's got a huge platform and he is nailing it but it's quite interesting it's like um the podcast, you, he, he appeals more to like the everyman and less because podcasting is quite a niche nerdy thing. Mm. And through MMA and stuff, he's managed to make it like... Blokey audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I was just quite interested. The, the thing that... I, I don't really know much about the Joe Rogan podcast. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I realise he's interviewed some um, pretty sketchy figures out there. Not that they shouldn't be interviewed, mm-hmm. but just whether... I mean, the question for anyone like that is whether they hold them to account. It's the same thing that I get called out for when I interview the mongrel mob. It's like, have you done a good enough job of holding them into account? Yep. Or have you just let them, you know, run run amok because you're not a journalist and Joe Rogan's like not a journalist just like I'm not. Yep. Um, he's got as much qualification as me. So I, I understand that. But my main thing that weirds me out about the Joe Rogan podcast is he just seems to pretty much exclusively exclusively interview white men. And that, this is just something I'm thinking about at the moment. I don't mean to call out this podcast right now, but is that what you guys do as well? Or do you get a bit of diversity on here or you don't give a shit about that? Or we, what's your vibe? I, it's not that I don't give a shit about that. My first and foremost desire is to have interesting conversations. Mm. So that's where I start. And you're like, women and people of colour, not interesting. <laughs> we can clip that one and use that as a highlight. <laughs> yeah, 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 um, and, and we have a pretty varied group of people coming through We're, we we have the I mean being straight up the problem of being in Dunedin um, which means it's our, white yeah well it's not even that because a lot of the people we get like yourself people coming through um, but I'm not I'm not by the way I'm not trying to make an attack or anything no, like no. that I'm just going like it's something I think about a lot I got called out I was the head of a 
comedy festival in Palmerston North two weekends ago and people were like, there's only men on this bill. And I was like, I didn't even notice that. And they're all white as well. And it's just it's just something I think about more and more. And it is really interesting because, um, we you know, we do think a lot like people who look and sound like us. Yeah. And it is, it is always a good idea and it kind of blows your mind sometimes to talk to people outside of that group. I think I think we're like just not trying to be like defending ourselves because I know you're not attacking us, but I think we're actually probably just over 50% female. Oh, um, that's cool. Um, just, I, I, yeah. I, I and would, but do you interview 50% female guests though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 50% of the people that have sat in your chair have been female. Oh, that's um, cool. And we've had, you know, we haven't, we probably, you know, they are oh. pretty And, like, and they were white. boring as hell. <laughs> <laughs> we <laughs> had Marama Davison though. We had the great, oh, you yeah. interviewed Marama. Yeah, oh, yeah she's been on here. And I don't know who else we've had that's sort of like, Yesterday, um, I, I would answer it this way: It is a conversation we have. Yeah, so we're intentional because it's because it is. It is, and I don't know what the stats on Joe Rogan's podcast are as well, but just the only ones I see seem to be white men. I was like, please, just interview like just a couple more women, yeah, couple more like black people, like please, like minimum minimum level. And so I think about, it, and I heard recently it blew my mind. People are like there's political. I mean, obviously, like super woke people kind of like lead the conversation sometimes, but there's like political experts or speaker people who appear on panels and they're like, they refuse to go on the panel unless it's 50-50 men and women. All right. And I was like, damn, I should do that with comedy. I should only go on the comedy bill with 50-50 men and women. And then I was like, damn, I'd probably never do a gig, a gig again because there's so few gigs, unfortunately, in New Zealand and in Auckland that are 50-50, let alone even 30 um, uh, one. 3070? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 3070. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I tried to do some math there and it really <laughs> backfired. And the other thing that's um, uh, mildly interesting is that when there are, say, four women, six men on a bill of 10 people, yep. it'll feel like it's really woman heavy. You'll be like, wow, is this women's comedy night? Even though there's still less women than men, it's just because we're so used to only seeing men that even three women out of 10 feels like a lot. Do you think that's uh, realistic? Um, not even just comedy, but in, in life, that it's realistic to kind of do that 50-50 Yeah, thing? totally. Like, it, it, it depends what the um, what the field is, and there's always, there's always issues where there's going to be uh, it's t- going to take a long time, mm. obviously, for genders to smooth themselves out. Like women's sport, obviously, has a long way to come, and, and the sports always for me the tricky one because, like, while I want to support it, I don't watch it, and that's a, that's a hard thing. But in comedy, it's a no-brainer. Like, there's no uh, there's no difference really between male and female comedians but, besides. But what about participa- participation? If you lined up a hundred comedians that were working, how many of them would be women? No, that's the point that we've got to encourage more women to be in there. Sure, but if he's not but, at the moment, how does being fifty fifty actually? How's that a reality? If it was twenty percent women, eighty percent men, not not commenting whether that's good or bad or indifferent. Yeah. How do you then make a 50-50 at a, at a showing? Oh, it's so easy. Like, um, we already have that, like, at raw level. Like, so the level of people coming in, as I said, they have a big competition. Yep. It's mainly, I don't know if it happens in the name, but it's mainly in Auckland and Wellington. Um, like, they're already at, like, the final is already at 50-50. Like, the young generation coming through, more and more women are seeing more more women. So that it kind of has a domino effect like that. Yep. Like, once it becomes obvious or you see someone on Netflix, because there's been so few, like, I mean, 10 years ago, it was only literally like like a couple of like generally lesbian icons. Yeah. Like it was Ellen DeGeneres, Paula Poundstone. Um, I can't think of other Sarah examples Silverman. right now. Um, Sarah Silverman was big. She's yeah. not lesbian. I was trying to name specifically lesbian, lesbian people. Okay. Um, who's the one from Reality Bites? Um, oh, what about Tig Notaro? She was in, she's yeah. in there. This, this sounds bad, but my point is, my point is, is that Females in comedy for a long time were still a very small niche, yeah. and then now it's just totally mainstream. Yeah. And um, uh, Janine Grafalio was the name, the '90s legend Garofalo. I was looking for. Yeah. Garofalo. Yeah. I'm so sorry. 
<laughs> Grafalio. <laughs> anyway, um, it's 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 leveling out already. And in Auckland, you don't have to bend that far. I mean, it might be harder in a smaller town. Yep. Um, but just to make it more inclusive, it's not it's not tricky at all. And there's a lot more um, people of colour who do comedy. It's yeah, it's happening. Do you watch stand up on Netflix? But there's about a million specials. Are you someone who checks them out? Yeah, I watch all of them. I really enjoyed was Jeff Garland's one. I really enjoyed that. It's a brand new one that I did not know much about him mm. besides I love him on Curb, yep. but I did not think that would translate to stand-up. And it's funny how similar he is, but um, also made me laugh a lot, which is interesting because like, not a lot of comedy makes me laugh anymore because I'm dead inside. <laughs> is that like, it's like the people who work in the sweet store. They're just, I'm sick of eating sweets. Yeah, a little bit. No, you just, no, it's not that so much there. It's you've... Um, you just, I've just heard all the jokes yeah. and it's like so comedy is like about surprise and there's so few people that can surprise you and that's why the ones who really last are like the greats or um, or, or like sometimes you need like shock comedy or something like that to like wake you up from your slumber because you've seen so much of it. So what I'm wondering basing around this conversation of representation, Ooh, you, you, watch, you watch all of them. Yeah. You know, do you find yourself being drawn more towards enjoying men over women or is it an even spread oh, for, you, I, for yourself? F- for me personally, Personally, I'd have a huge gender bias towards men, and yep. that's just because I'm a man and I can relate closer to it. You know, like there's uh, uh, who's it? Someone I watched a Netflix special the other day from a woman, and it was all about um, giving head. Yeah, and um, I was it was funny, yep. but it was a not something that I relate to or something that I um, like. It's, I just I don't enjoy sex material. Generally, it's not. It's not. I don't have a problem with it at all. It's just not my favorite type of comedy generally. Um, yeah, I just, it just, but the woman in the audience were loving it. And, uh, you know, like that, she appeals to a certain niche. And of mm-hmm. people who enjoy sex material, that's, everyone has their own niche. And, um, yeah, it's natural that you're going to be more attracted to the people who are like you, which is why we share 50 50 bills, because half the audience are more ha- than half the wo- audience are wo- uh, a woman. So that makes sense. I mean, I'm sounding like the worst person in the world here, eh? But also, it's a good opportunity to, um, uh, like, yeah, just like share different experiences and different points of view, and it's and, and women's comedy is often more surprising for me because I've heard a lot of men. Sure, so you I've can, heard all the dick jokes. Time for some vagina jokes. So you can, me in. you can you listen to a guy, you can see the joke for want of a better word. You've just mentioned penises coming at you, yeah. um, whereas women might have that different angle. Yeah, different yeah everyone has a different perspective. It's so crazy, like. Um, you just don't realize how, and stand-up's a really interesting one. Where it's a good, stand-up's a good way to start with diversity because that's where you come from. You're like, this is my point of view on the world, yep. and not every comedian's like that. Some people just tell non sequiturs. Some people just do shock comedy. There's complete. Some people are completely removed from their act, but most people are like this is what my day was like, this is what my life was like. And when you hear someone from a different genre, mm-hmm. like I genuinely learn things from comedians of different backgrounds. And uh, I sound, sound like the biggest idiot right now. I learn things from people from different backgrounds. <laughs> the point is like, like it can be interesting as well. I think it's a, I don't know if it's a Richard Pryor quote. It's like one of those ones that's misattributed to him. But like one of my favorite comedy quotes is, if you can't be funny, be interesting. Yeah. And I think that, I think the aim for most comedians should be to be both. And I love watching, um, uh, uh, comedians from different sexual orientations to me mm-hmm. because even if I'm not laughing I'm just like fascinated from what I'm hearing and normally it's hilarious as well and um, man we've had a diverse range of comedians there's a comedian here in New Zealand who works as a sex worker and um, she like 
not only like it's the most thrilling show that I've seen in a long time because she's talking about something that in New Zealand we keep way back in the closet yeah, yeah, yeah. hidden away from everyone and I'm like man when she gets a great hour together she's going to be unstoppable because it's such a fascinating story and here's the crazy thing um, someone made a TV show based on her story just like stole it Okay, I, I, I'm getting into territory which I, I know nothing about now and um, am wildly speculating on. But there was a woman in New Zealand who blew up. She won the Raw Comedy Competition. I don't know if anyone's talking about that. But um, anyway, as a beginner, she started out and just smashed it. Yeah. And her angle was she works as a sex worker. Fascinating, right? I've never had such a... I was not expecting it. I was at the um, last laughs of the um, New Zealand Comedy Festival. You just expect a Raw winner to come out. You just expect them to go, hey, my name's Guy. I've got a weird name and my dad's a bit weird and this is a weird thing for my day. That's normally what people do. Yep. This woman comes out and goes, I'm a sex worker. And I'm just like, whoa. And then she gets into her stories. I'm like, whoa. I was actually like gripping onto the seat for like, you know, it was such a shock. It was like she punched me in the face and she was hilarious. It was amazing. And, and she, of course, her, her name got out there. Lucy Roach, she's fantastic. Check her out. Um, and she blew up to, you know, to an extent. And everyone was talking about, have you heard about Lucy Roach? She's got amazing material and an amazing story. Mm-hmm. And then what I heard, and I don't know if this is true, so I might just be starting shit, but um, I heard that someone heard that story, wrote it down, and pitched it as a show and got it made as like an on-demand show or something like that. Oh, I've actually, I think I've, I've literally seen this TV show you're talking They're about. They based a TV show yeah, on yeah. someone who's a sex worker and a comedian, which seems like the, like the... A, a pretty ratchet thing to do if that's the, the facts, which it might not be the facts, so yeah, I'm not uh, going to... Yeah, like, no, I don't know about the facts, but yeah, the thing that's called Stand Up Girl... Is okay. the, the name of the show, and and yeah, yeah, I've seen it. It's, it's about a stand up uh, girl. It's not a bad it's name. About a, it's a, it's a, a yeah, a girl who's a stand up comedian, but also a sex worker. And, and I mean, I'm sure you can be inspired, but I'd never heard of that like worldwide. So it, it feels like they saw Lucy and were like, "Hey, great idea! I'll write that." And it's probably Lucy's story to tell. Look, I know what you're saying. I uh, occasionally when I'm out and about and I'm listening to my headphones, or not, I've got my headphones on. I'm listening to Spotify. I'll just put stand up comedy and just see what pops up. I did that once about 18 months ago. I've talked about this before on the podcast and I came across a Tignataro stand-up yeah. where her first lines are something like, hey, thanks for having me, I have cancer. That was her first yeah, line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have you yeah, heard yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. And you're just like, hang on. And after about five minutes of saying I have cancer, you realise, oh, shit, she's literally just been diagnosed as having cancer. Yeah. And I think Louis C.K. was in the room at the time and it was him that kind of said, we should definitely publish this and we should put it out there. Cause he it was, was masturbating. It was <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> but the actual stand-up, from yeah. her, that, that set... I'm like, this is the most amazing set yeah. I've ever heard in my life. And you're right, because it smashed you in the face. And it's what I want to do. It's like, I always... Get uh, cancer? Saying, no. no. <laughs> I inject myself with cancer to be a more interesting comedian. <laughs> no, I want to be interesting yeah. a- as well as funny. And um, so far, I have achieved neither of those things. So here's a question for you. And that's New Zealand today as well. You're, I'm not New Zealand today. You're, today talking about, you're talking about genders and minorities and you know different sexual orientations. It's with, just something with I think a, about no, a lot. No, but moment, with the greatest of respect, mm-hmm. greatest of respect, Show some how some does respect. a... Uh, let, let's just say uh, middle class uh, generation Y cisgender male assuming you're cisgender I don't know um, become interesting because those are the least interesting people on the face of the planet no that's not true yes it is uh, I, it's hard for me I'm like wondering how I can be interesting and the truth is everyone's got interesting stories and this is my thing and this is what I always put out to people who are thinking about getting into comedy and stuff like that Everyone is interesting. Everyone is mind blown. I w- do you ever go to open homes and just have you ever tried to buy a house or looked at houses to rent and gone through an open house and been like, 
Like you just open the closet and just like, what have they got in here? What's going on? And it's like everyone, if you pull back the curtain a little bit, I'm not talking about social media because people share themselves on social media, but they don't share their real selves. If you share your real self, that is fascinating. No matter who you are, what your background is, what you do every night, what your toothbrushing routine is, can be funny and interesting yep. if you know how to put a comic twist on it. And that's why I think everyone should get into comedy because the, pro- the problem is, is finding that and that's hard. And everyone when they get into comedy thinks, oh, do you know what would be a funny story? Going through airport and immigration and getting poked in the ass or something like that it's like it's really hard to find the things that actually make you unique and make you weird because everyone if you scratch under the surface is fascinating and I'm still trying to find out what that is about me and what that is about um, everyone because it is we're all weird I think so I've just heard a new online television show pitch as you've been talking yeah so so Guy Williams yeah hidden camera yeah on the person on the glasses going through open homes looking into their cupboards it's creeping around I think well, that's, that was, Guy Williams creeping around oh that's not that, <laughs> creeping around is going to be a show wasn't that, yeah, called, yeah. Wasn't that show called Target <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well that's not far off what New Zealand today is to yeah. be honest oh, okay like you go to small town New Zealand and there's so many people out there where you're like who are you where do you come from what are you doing I saw a guy just down on the main street of Dunedin and he's doing what seems to be quite serious like mechanical work with electrical quite like he's dug a hole in the ground he's got these wires and he's just smoking a fag and I was like this cannot be safe and I just like I want to meet this guy and see what his daily life is and is he hoping to die like what is his <laughs> what is his dream and um, I'm just like so many people you see every day we're like where's this person come from what are they thinking because I think we're my theory is we're all a bit effed yeah. and um, I think that's really interesting so so you like storytelling you like other people's stories because it sounds like you want to know that guy's story no I just like um I just like, and yeah, I guess storytelling. I, I would, I wouldn't really say I'm good at telling stories or or, or good at storytelling. I like just um, uh, finding out what's having a laugh at things and finding out what's funny about things and kind of um, exploring interesting topics. I'm pretty pretty loose. Is that sort of the basis for your stand up when you're on stage and, and investigating things, uh, going a bit deeper into things, finding the funny side of life? Well, I don't know if this is a good idea, but what I've been doing in the last couple of years is. Um, trying to just punch the things that annoy me. Right. Because you know how you get so many things every day where you're like, this is infuriating. And um, stand-up's a great way to um, punch it, basically, in a, in a, in a nice way. Um, yeah, you make jokes about the things that piss you off. That's like, what like I try to do. What, what, what uh, infuriates you? Without, um, giving, without giving away your on Moronic populism. Yeah. Um, people, comedy. To be honest, I write a lot of material about comedy. I hate like just basic premises. I've recently been joking about road workers. I hate when people have a go at road workers. People love having to go at road workers. You know, you know jokes like everyone's like, there's so many, only so many jokes in the world and everyone does the same ones and it infuriates me. Having people like, oh, road workers, they're lazy. Oh, I'll smoke another doobie. And I'm like, they're out there making roads. Mm. For a start, we're all lazy as shit. Like, let's be honest. Like how many people are genuinely working hard? And also how many people out there are producing anything as good as a road? I've never produced anything as good as a road. You've never produced anything as no. good as a road. Roads are amazing, you know, and people are always like, um, here's people, people I'm like, what have you made better than a road? And my, my mate's like, um, uh, actually, uh, my two children. I'm like, bro, I've met your kids. They're not better than a road. <laughs> They're not better than a road. So it's, it's things like that. It's things like that. It's people haven't got the Kardashians. Hate when people haven't got the Kardashians. How come? What's, what's, what do like, you see? This is, I'm doing material now, but the, the, the people are like, um, Oh, Kim Kardashian, she only famous off having a sex tape. Yeah. And my question is, do you have any idea how hard it is to make a sex tape and get people to watch it? It's almost impossible. I've made three or four sex tapes and no <laughs> one has watched any of them. It's hard. And people don't really, people are like, you only got famous for having a sex tape. Oh, well, she did it. 
that's successful. And um, I mean, there's a lot of ways she got famous, but she is killing it now. And while I don't respect the Kardashians and I don't think they're great for society, you can't knock the work ethic and the amazing um, stuff they've done. And yeah, if a sex tape gave them a leg up, but shit, it's better than the leg up most other people have got. It's better than just um, getting money from your parents, which is what they probably did as well. Mm, leg over rather than leg up. Um, and it's, it's that poker adage, isn't it? It's High that, quality stuff. It's that, it's that you get certain, dealt certain cards is what you do with them. I mean, Kylie, is it Jenna, the youngest one? I don't know. But yeah, I did know this. I happened to be on Celebrity Net Worth yesterday having a look at something, uh, looking up your net worth. It wasn't there. Um, <laughs> but they just said she just sold half her company. She now is officially a 22-year-old billionaire. Is she officially it? Officially it. No yeah, way. Just that's go to crazy. celebritynetworth.com see if you can bring so it up. So I don't I don't think the world is fair and I don't think that's great, but I mean there's a lot of people out there doing worse stuff than them. And she's and she's they're, they're playing the cards they're dealt, even if we're unhappy about that they got aces every time. Being very beautiful, like I, I challenge anyone who shits on Kim Kardashian, you try and be beautiful and make a sex tape that goes viral. Go hard. Like it's it's your prerogative. Like you can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. It's legal, I think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. So um I was gonna I was going to say as well. Um, Have you ever done stand up? No, no. I've, ever wanted to do it? I've, uh, not really. I worked for Theatre Sports Auckland for quite a long time, so I did a bunch of uh, uh, the comedy festival where we did long form improv. We did a show one year called Exfolios, which was ninety minutes of long form Shakespeare. Wow! So you know, so done that kind of stuff, but never done stand up to a mic. Do, have you have you written down material or anything like that? Not or? really, because everyone's lazy, and I'm lazy. I, I, I used to think I used to lean back on improv comedy because you didn't have to do anything. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I remember talking. I won't say which one it is because it might embarrass him. One of the guys from Seven Days going, "It's the best job in the world. You just turn up, you do your stuff, you get paid, and you leave. No prep, no nothing, no anything. Yeah. Just keeping on the news for the week, and you're all good." Yeah. Whereas talking to Die last weekend, he's like, "I write jokes during the week, and he actually knows if it's a big story, it's going to come up, so he actually prep preps for it." So I'm really interesting. I, I kind of call bullshit on that, but I, I don't know. I don't know. It was that Paul Ego who said that. I, I wouldn't like to because I would be Paul Ego is a great improviser, and I wouldn't be surprised if he just rocked up and just talked shit out of his ass. But most comedians who are successful are real hard workers. Yep. But we pretend like we're not. Right. We pretend pretend like we're like oh yeah I'm just riffing everything on the spot because people prefer that like the average Kiwi just likes to think that like people are just naturally funny when really you find it's really hard hard work for a lot of them or you at least hard work to get where they are and they're coasting now um but uh, maybe we should have worked a bit harder and then TV3 wouldn't be going under. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But what yeah, you, most comedians work hard. What do you most f- person who do anything work hard. I, bet, uh, um, I think so, yeah, yeah. Rock stars, you know, they're like, oh, they just hit the piss and stuff like that. I bet the Rolling Stones are very disciplined. Well, certainly the other thing is they're probably disciplined and they have worked really hard at some stage. You know, like no one would say a, t- a, a band touring, earning nothing, doing pubs, getting paid in beer is an easy life. Uh, anyone who is a Rolling Stone today at one stage was that person. Yeah. So they've all done those yards. They must be psychic. Like, um, it's really interesting because the number of New Zealand bands who start out, make it big with one song or one album, and then crash out because they start to live the rock star lifestyle and forget that you've got to actually sustain what you're doing. And anyone who's well-known for, like, a period of time um, is... uh, is a, is a hard worker. That's one thing I've learned um, the hard way, and I need to I need to work a bit harder. I know what this is. I know what this is. Jerry Seinfeld, tell us about it, Jace. Talking about hard work. Yeah, yeah, I was just saying that because um, you know I'm I'm a big fan of comedians and cards getting coffee and and this yeah this this shot here is he did an episode where he's talking about his kind of his life a little bit, and this is every joke he's ever written and so he's just you know again talking about that comedian you know to be a stand up you've got to be actually hard working and and he literally says I think that same thing you know it, it, we we like to pretend that we don't work hard but you know and he gets up late stays up late but he's you know 
thousands and thousands of legal pads full of full, full of jokes and material. Well, yeah. he, did, he did a Netflix special where he used this, used his, his yeah. all his old stuff yeah. as a Netflix special. Yeah, and it's crazy. I mean, look at the. I mean, and he'd, 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 he'd literally put, he'd literally reach down, grab one of those things, and be like, "Oh yeah, I remember when I did this first time live, and you know, oh this died, and yeah. um, but then I reworked it, and it became a major part of my set, and and it's just it's really interesting. I'm stuff. still working on jokes that I wrote like two years ago that are still dying on stage, and I'm still trying to make that joke fly. I don't know why, but um, so I'm really obsessed with suicide at the moment. I'm not sure why. I'm not suicidal or anything like that. But obviously it's a very serious topic and it's not a great one to get comedy out of um, normally and I'm trying to get comedy out of it. And I'm getting laughs but not ar- more around the tension that it builds rather than the actual Nervous laughs? material. <laughs> a little bit of that. But laughs when you release the tension, right. like you build the tension and then and then get there. But it's, it's not good and people are like, guy, please stop doing that. But I'm sticking with it because I'm like, I'm, I know there's some comedy in there some, and it interests me. It's an itch I want to scratch. Yeah. But... Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's so far not accepted by society. I'll send you a link. You should check out a podcast we did with a young um, comedian from Christchurch, Nathan Headley. That's right, AJ's. His, he did a show and he's touring a show and I think the original name of the show was Is Suicide an Option? And he he changed it's a funny it. name. He, well, he changed it because you know he, he got he did it a few times. I hope I'm not misquoting it. You can I'll send you the link and you can have a look at it. But from memory, he said he changed the name of it to "In Search for Happiness." I think that's what it is. Yeah, because there were literal people in his you know circle kind of going. You know, for those of us who yeah. it is, it doesn't quite... In New Zealand, in New Zealand, like, you definitely get clenched buttholes when you talk about because suicide's a horrible problem in our country. And, um, yeah, it's just something I haven't mastered yet. Yeah. Is there stuff you can't joke about? Totally. Well, just if it doesn't get a laugh, then. But topic, <laughs> like, I shouldn't be wise. joking about suicide. If you get a laugh, then it's um, worth talking about. And there's, then there's the question of responsibility. Yeah. And I, if I try risque material, I, I hope that it's responsible and not um, people understand the meaning behind it. And it's not just, you know, because occasionally I have had jokes known that, you know, people misinterpret or something like that. Yep. Um, uh, years ago, I used to do a joke where I was like, um, uh, it's amazing. Um, I, I think it's awesome that David Tua has a three-fight contract with Maldi TV because he's Samoan. It's like Maldi TV was just like, close enough. Yeah. And Because that, that's what it was, right? That's what it was. And then a guy from Christchurch came up to me after the gig and was like, I love that racist material. And I'm like, what? Racist oh, material? Geez. And he's like, yeah, I love that racist material. And I was like, it just it just kind of like, it felt like, oh man, I've got to stop doing that if it's getting interpreted that way. And I, if, if people thought I was trying to um, uh, encourage suicide or anything like that then um or not treat it with the revenance it kind of deserves then um but but if you but if you but if you get a laugh and if it's i'm going to repackage what you said and and basically say treated sort of respectfully or treated the correct way nothing's off limits subject matter wise yeah i'm not sure i don't know i mean you'd have to give me some examples of where they think it's off limits because i definitely think like with anything there's definitely limits to what you should say but like if it's a good joke and getting laughs the, the audience is normally a pretty good regulator mm. and um, the, the, the comedy the, the comedy debate has gone weird because it's like all these older comedians going like oh uh, um, younger generations are too sensitive or whatever like that but I notice with not even non-risque things I say the audience will like call me out for it or check me on it and that's totally understandable as I said like there's definitely references I've made about a lot of things and people going hey mate that's not okay and that's I, I think generally the crowd is a pretty good regulator mm. the interesting thing now though is with the internet is that you can find a very you could, if you want to make do Nazi stand up material you can just find an audience and just do that now <laughs> actually it's probably a gap in the market I should get into um, but you know 
like there's just like it's 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 become weird, you know. Like a, a crowd might not on the internet might not always be like a a representative um, group of society. Now it could just be like a, you can be, you can become a very uh, yeah closeted niche mm. quite easily. Well, that's the American thing, you know. Like I, I remember when I was a mid dawn talkback host on News Talk, there'd be mid dawn, midnight till six a.m. Amazing. I would I, proportionally. I had more listeners than like Bill O'Reilly had viewers proportionally to the population. Yeah. Yet how much power and influence and stuff did he have? And yeah, you know what I mean? So, so that's where you find your niche in America. You get 1% of the marketplace. You've got millions and millions and millions of viewers or listeners or whatever it is. So my dream was always to make the daily show in New Zealand. That was always my dream. And why I've kind of gone on the back burner and network actually asked me the other day, like what is your dream of making the daily show? And my thing was the daily show got like, I think its peak was getting like two or three million viewers. Uh, it was on Comedy Central, which is a very small network. It yep. seems big to me, but like you know, it's it's pretty niche, and um, and that's great in America, and it makes uh, a home, and like obviously his clips go viral and stuff like that. But here in New Zealand, um, that would be like twenty thousand people watching a show, which is way not enough, and you got to be broad. And that's why I was so lucky with New Zealand today. I felt like I hit the jackpot because it was broad and it was what I actually wanted to do, and it was a little bit. A little bit political in parts and a little bit interesting, yeah. hopefully. Again, trying to be interesting. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, it uh, didn't work out for old guy. Daily show in New Zealand wouldn't work um, if it was trying to go four or five nights a week. There's not the, there's not the material for it. No, I, was, I it was just thought Thursday, one night a yeah, week. like a Thursday night at 10 sort of thing. Yeah. But I think, I think what the model has changed in the last, and you're probably a good proponent of this, the model in the last couple of years is changing is it's not just about viewers on TV anymore. I mean, after what happened with spin-off TV, and they had quarter, three quarters of a million viewer, uh, dollars given to them and then ended up with kind of 20,000 viewers per episode, you'd think that money put into something like New Zealand Today to be digital and to use YouTube and stuff, you'd, you're smashing it. That's the So the model now is almost, if it's the right product, TV may not be the main outlet for it. it might totally. Be, that might be the side outlet, whereas the digital stuff becomes the main outlet. Totally, totally, totally. And that... Yeah, it's the dream. It's just the way it's set up at the moment is you can um, only get maximum funding or a good amount of funding. You can get a good amount of funding for any show, but like if you want to get the most funding you can get, you need to have a free-to-air TV platform still. It's still based on the old model, unfortunately. Yeah, and that's what we're finding with this as well. It's like, you know, because we think we put out a product they could do with some funding if they wanted to, yeah. but unless it's affiliated with a mainstream media outlet, it's they still won't old look school. At you. That's the thing. That's the weird thing about New Zealand is we're just not quite moving as fast as maybe we should be, but we'll get there. But surely what, what you were doing mostly in New Zealand today, I mean, you're touring the country um, at the moment, you could have a, a cameraman with you and a mic and go out and do spots each day if you wanted to. I could, but the quality the quality would go down. A lot of work went into New Zealand today, believe it or not. Again, again, it's like comedians. We like to pretend like it's just all off the off the cuff. Yep. We spent so long editing that, and I even I watched a segment last night that we uploaded to YouTube, and I was like, oh man, there's a few bits I definitely fix up in this. Um, but I mean, when it, when it's done, you got to at one point go, this is done now. Yep. But um, we spent ages in the edit on that because because we shot so much footage, you know, and that's um, part of the charm but it's um it's not easy and we also often had three two or three cameras as well mm-hmm. did you know, big time did you know what your shoot ratio was did um, you ever tell you that what your shoot ratio was that like as in minutes you shot versus minutes that went to you no i'm not sure i'm not sure to be honest but like i guess maybe I like editors like to wear that as a badge of honor sometimes so yeah i'm not sure is, is that common what's like a do you know any shoot, shoot ratios oh, off by heart like the average for old school docos would maybe be like 100 to 200 to 1, you know. Well, actually, no, that's probably like more like a feature film. But, you know, like um, 
yeah, like a hundred to one, a thousand to one. You know, so basically, you know, how many minutes there are versus how many minutes make it. Yeah. So if you shoot an hours worth of footage and make a two minute video, then that's a thirty to one ratio. But yeah, I imagine you're probably shooting like yeah a ridiculous amount. Yeah, I think a segment normally took about two days of shooting. So maybe yeah, I I I, I couldn't really say, but um. Yeah, you need to shoot a lot. Like we used to make, we used to shoot for three hours to make a three-minute segment. Yeah, um, a lot of riffing, and it's a shame because there's a lot of good stuff that gets cut out. But um, you sacrifice jokes for story sometimes and stuff like that. Money's interesting though as well. Let's bring up that Tom Segura dance. Um, there's this thing going on in America at the moment amongst comedians where they're all there's a group of them who are all kind of showing each other up because they're mates on purpose online. So do you know the comedian Bert Kreischer? Yeah, I've, yeah, I've heard of him. I don't really know his material. So yeah. he, he did this thing where he wanted to do a hip-hop dance competition with all his mates, and they didn't want to do it, so he went and made his own hip-hop. Um, I actually watched this and didn't know what I was watching. So that's Bert Kreischer there doing it. We're not going to have the sound because it's Missy Elliott and we'll get bumped for it. Um, but the thing about it is he, it's a response video from Tom Segura to uh, Bert Kreischer, and the thing that me and Jace were fascinated with is – the amount of money this is this is for nothing this is promoting his upcoming gigs like a new zealand comedian would send out a tweet or a yeah Facebook. That, that's all this is and it's a stab back at his mate yeah but the thing is um his tour will be worth millions of dollars though right it'll be like a huge budget like theater or stadium tour. like dressed as um steven cigar with his carrot um just it's it's actually if you know them it's they, they do a podcast called two bears one cave they're quite they're quite funny together and um it's a response thing but it's impressive but yeah, there's, there's yeah like this thing is the budget for this like you know response video would be um probably a season maybe two seasons of new zealand tonight so have, <laughs> you, you've, you've, you've done that right have a listen to this i'll just this is this is if you can leave that playing there just listen to this this is the people who are involved with this little do nothing video uh, there was a director, a producer, there was two choreographers, there was about 10 dancers, director of photography, first AD, steady cam, first AC, second AC, key grip, key grip, best boy, gaffer, gaffer, and I'm about a third of the way through the people who were involved just to make this this take the piss uh, music video between um, Tom and So Bert. is that both of them there? That's a pretend Bert. That's not I was going to say, I was that's like, not really Bert's Bert. not that heavy, no, but yeah. No, no, that's so funny. Yeah. But, um... But that's and they're know, coming to New Zealand, am I right? Uh, I was like, Bert's been. He's coming to Auckland in January. Tom okay. Segura. You coming out to see that? Oh, I'd love to. It's a it's a big trip up. I've actually approached him to try and get him on podcast. Um, I'd love to try and and see him. Um, people mostly know Tom Segura for he's got a Netflix special where he tells a story of meeting Mike Tyson in the plane. That's the story most people okay, know about. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. All right, it seems yeah. interesting. Yeah, but again, he, he's interesting. But that's he, the thing. He is interesting. But he is you know and like funny. A white. You know, middle-aged man. That's though. fine. Is that okay? Yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> hey, um, your partner. Yeah? You're, uh, I'm, I'm Change direction. She's not a white middle-aged man. No, no, because... She's a this, woman. This is fascinating. She's brown. And she is one of the uh, Green Party MPs. Yeah. What's her exciting. name again? Her name's Golrys Garriman. You just asked that because you knew, but you were scared of saying her name out loud. You are 100% correct. I would be the same. It's fine. <laughs> um, she She's fine with anything. I think... Uh, um, I've tried to get her on a couple of times. Um, and she's never responded to me. So maybe oh, you, what? you can. Uh, we had Marama though instead. So maybe you can. Marama's the leader, so that's higher up the hierarchy. Yeah. I can, I can pass but it she's on. got a she's got a fascinating. She doesn't story. come to Dunedin very often. So they, they had a whole thing thing down here, and they no. what? Anyway. No, but she's. I mean, uh, tell me about that because uh, is, she's obviously green. So she's. You a, can't shame people for not coming on your podcast, man. Come on. Yeah, I can. 
<laughs> I'm not. I'm actually kind of just making fun. Yo, I making can't believe she didn't want to come here and I do know. this. Why I not? I know. Yeah, I'm coming here. What's the uh, What's the story there? How did you meet her? She's she seems like a really interesting, person. mildly interesting. How we met. Um, uh, we were at a um, charity. I, I just I get asked to do charity gigs all the time, and I normally say yes depending on what it is. I mean, sometimes you get overbooked a little bit or sometimes it just seems like too much travel or something like that. But um, if it's in Auckland, mm. and this one in particular was interesting because it was for a homeless shelter, right. which is crazy because I didn't know Auckland didn't have a homeless shelter. Not, That's crazy, right? Big, does it need to have one? A homeless shelter? I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, like a place for homeless people to sleep at night. I Auckland doesn't not, have that. What about Auckland City Mission? That's no, it's not a homeless shelter. That's where they eat and help support them. So there's no a- them. accommodation there? No. Oh. So it's really interesting. And there, no, there, there is um, there is things and there's halfway houses and there's various things around. But like, yeah, no, the homeless, there's no like night shelter for homeless people in Auckland as far as I know. So that was crazy. It was raising money for that. Yep. And the other thing was it was at the Northern Club, which is this crazy... Um, weird like private club in Auckland and I was like gotta go to that yeah, I, I just like the building I, I, I rocked up to that for some fundraising thing myself and, and yeah wasn't allowed in because I didn't have a jacket so they had to give me one of their like rented jackets rented they jackets keep it, like, yeah in the, in the cupboard sort crazy of. place and that um, and the, like they only allowed women in like 2012 like, it's mental <laughs> it's absolutely mental so I was like oh yeah I'll go just want to see what that's like inside yeah. and um, went into this weird gig for all these lawyers and um, it was basically you know like all just like old rich guys and the set went 50-50 like half the people were loving it and half the people were just like stone faced quiet and I was doing jokes at the time about I think Don Brash was bigger than news or whatever and people were like some of the people would be hating it because they'll literally be like Don Brash's mates and stuff like that yeah, the guys yeah. doing the gig too and anyway I, I met only one person who was roughly my age which was Golrees and we kind of hit it off and hung out and then um, I stole her name tag so I could find her um, so I could find her uh name again because I'm like I'm never going to be able to spell Golri's Garmin <laughs> and uh, and what I did is I googled it thinking I'll find an Instagram or Twitter and you know try and approach her through that of um, going hey we had a great time last night would you like to go on a date sometime that was my plan and then um, I couldn't find Instagram or Twitter she wasn't on social media at all but what was weird is she did have a registered website and through her registered website she'd, she just she didn't have an office she just had her home address so all her details were just on the internet on the second page of Google and I'm like you got to move or sort out your internet presence or something because <laughs> this is shocking so I literally texted her because her just phone number and home address was just on the internet and um, and she, wa- she was an MP at the time? No she oh, was okay. she was just a, a criminal defence lawyer in Auckland and um, that night they were also celebrating they were kind of like drinking because her mates were like, Gloria's is going to run for the green. She's going to stand for the green. She's going to make pol-. And I was just like, good luck, mate. And I didn't know what a person I was meeting because like she, you know, she's the perfect person for, now Now I know she's the perfect person for parliament, very qualified and very skillful. But at the time I just saw a young woman um, of colour and I was with a, with a, a, a you know, a Middle Eastern name. And I was like, man, you're going to be up against it. And um, yeah, she's just smashed it and she's been um, so wonderful and uh, the kind of person I think we need in parliament because she actually has legal expertise mm-hmm. and with things like um, uh, legal reform and, um, Ele- elective reform, election reform. She can do great stuff. There she is. There she is. Scholar is, and uh, yeah, she's 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 doing well so far. I think politics is a crazy, 
shit pit of a world, but um, I think she's um, yeah doing really well. Does she feel like she, there's a difference happening, or like some people go into parliament and they go, "I'm going to change." Ah, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, they, and then like two two sessions out, they're gone. Gareth Hughes, the um, Green MP who, who just withdrew, I think is a little bit like that. He's right. done 12 years, and he's like he came in here young. I was actually in his class in at Victoria University. All oh, right, and he he went in there, I think, go thinking, you know, this is going to be the time to to shake shit up and it's it just comes down to how many votes you can get and Mm -hmm. um the greens are quite a small party at the moment um but i think she's pretty proud of the stuff she's done so far and the things she's taking to stand on and just the platform it gives you as well like people listen to you when you're a politician rather than if you're just a regular person Mm -hmm. and um yeah the the voice that she's been able to put out there is more important than ever as new zealand becomes more diverse and um you know the shit that's been going down recently and we've had the Christchurch shootings and stuff like that you need people um uh from all walks of life in our parliament and it's again it's talking about it's like a stand-up comedy lineup we just need different voices in there and i think um yeah she's awesome i think that's true i think the the ideal mmp would be a, a fair representation of the society yeah and at the moment it's still obviously heavily uh there's a heavy presence of you know older white men there's so many shit kickers in parliament it's crazy just look at some of the people that are in there you're just like how and if you see these people in real life or hear them speak in real life you're like how did you get elected (laughs) and it's really interesting that she gets a lot of attention because partly because she looks different Mm -hmm. and I was like if you're just a boring white guy in a suit there's so many dudes who are just slipping by with very little scrutiny and very it's funny how they pop up every so often you know how like um we have that guy from down Clutha Southland, Todd Barclay. Yep. And they're like, they're like, this guy is a human. He's a bit of an a-hole. And, uh, you know, people didn't know. He was a politician for years and no one noticed until his true self came out. And it's just interesting, like, how many politicians don't get any scrutiny. And then she, I mean, Gorries is very outspoken and the Greens are obviously um, quite headline worthy because their views would be uh, maybe a little bit shocking for the rest of New Zealand. For, Nandor Tanks for is, a portion, yep. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, in the bubble that I live in, it's just very normal. But, um, you know, Nandor Tanks 20 years ago shocked the world just by having dreads. And wearing a hem suit yeah and, and just being pro weed and then yeah. now 20 years later it's completely normalized and that's partly the greens problem sometimes i think maybe they jump on issues a little bit too early before new zealand is ready right because there's a lot of people out there who it takes a while to come around on things and it's going to take a while i don't know weed if i assume weed will pass next year but i'm not sure but just like people are slow on a lot of things sometimes it just it just takes it takes time and sometimes maybe it's probably a criticism of the greens as well is that they come in too hot on some issues which seem obvious to them but are not obvious to the rest of New Zealand kind of thing. I also think that they've been through a, a various iterations and when they came in with the Nandors and the Sue Bradfords and the um, Donald, what was his surname? Uh, Rod Donald. Rod Donald. Um, they they seem to be... funny how you said Donald, what was his surname? His surname was Donald. Yeah, Donald. I was thinking, uh, for some reason I was thinking Donald Sutherland. I knew that wasn't him but because <laughs> it's the... Yeah. Um, they, they, I think, were uh, perhaps... When I say further left, I mean maybe not um, quite as now, didn't have much Nelson playing the game. And it feels like whether it's intentional or not, they've come a little bit back, not a lot back, but a little bit back. And maybe they're more palatable, whether that's right or wrong to a broader yeah, group at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to know. It's kind of a natural, like, elastic effect from obviously Green's had a lot of trauma 
when, um, again, Matilda Tude did mm-hmm. what I thought was a great speech. It was the best political speech I'd ever heard, the one where she talked about um, her you know, time on the benefit, mm-hmm. and that obviously backfired to a point where it got spun in the media where she was a this horrible criminal that needs to be taken down, and she was, and that kind of destroyed the Greens, and um, you know they almost kicked out of Parliament, and now they're rebuilding yeah. in a slightly different way. But it's kind of like I think the natural pushback from being as radical as Matilda was, unfortunately – means there's a bit more of a pull towards just steadying the ship and being, which which appeals to a broader audience, but also is difficult for the people who have supported the Greens all along and want them to be radical, and that's why they want them in Parliament, because they want a radical voice. It's Politics is hard. I think that's the end of the day. That's what you learn, eh? Um, politics is so hard, and um, yeah, I'm really proud of the work that Govries and the team are doing so far, but yeah, I think for idealists, like there's like there's so much more they need to do and can can do. Is it something that you yourself, like you align with her positions? You're, you guys are kind of sit in the same place with your own political beliefs? Yeah, definitely. Well, she, she normally deals with issues and stuff that I've never really even thought about. You know, like I never really even considered electoral reform. I've never really thought about immigration law or anything like that or um, refugee, uh, treatment of refugees or human rights is not something I've ever thought about before. Um, So she's taught me a lot of things as well. But yeah, I think I definitely, um, I've been a Green supporter. That was kind of a a lucky, interesting place to start because I supported the Greens for years. We'd actually met years before I didn't remember it unfortunately but um, I'd, I'd been I'd been supporting the Greens at the election before that and been voting for them for the whole time because they're in my in my view the um, the party of the future hopefully well and it's, and it seems that there are is traction around the world for what you're saying about the party of the future because really uh, really in America what's going on within the Democratic Party is you've got labor who are the kind of uh, the, the way Democrats have already always been done and then you've got the Greens as a part of the same party which are the progressives the you know the Bernie Sanders of this world but they just happen to be part of one party and the growing support for the progressive wing of the Democratic Party seems to be growing which would transfer over to probably what you're saying that the, there'll be a growing um, support for the further left if I can put it that way the green type positions around the world I would think so um, it's really hard to compare New Zealand and American politics sure. but um, one of the first ways I got attention of the Greens like I was always a green supporter and stuff like that, but I wrote a, a column. I don't write about much about politics anymore. It's hard just because when Gorries is in Parliament, I don't want to cause her more problems. She does the political speaking, and I, I should probably step away a little bit so I don't get her in trouble. Because people, even if we're not, even if she's not going, hey, write this, or saying, people always think that she is. I remember I wrote an anti-top yeah. piece, and people thought that was coming from the Greens. I was like, no, yeah. the Greens don't want anything to do with me. I'm a separate <laughs> entity. But I know, I know, I know. It seems hard to believe, but I just um, write my columns basically on my own free will. And um, anyway, what, one of the first ways I got attention was I was critical of the Greens, and what I didn't like about them is they were so environmentalist. And while I think environmental issues are a huge issue and that need to be addressed, obviously, I don't think the average voter gives a shit about them and that was what my column was I was like you've got to run on something different because the environment while everyone thinks it's an issue is like their fifth or sixth issue and there's about four things they'll care about before then and while you'll get everyone's sympathy Mm. you won't get their vote and how do you actually win someone's vote and I wrote this column and weirdly the Greens actually contacted me and I talked to Julianne Genter and actually had her on a podcast that I was trying to do at the time and talked to her about it and stuff like that as to how you start hitting issues that people actually give a toss about Mm. and um Shivers Matilda did that, possibly too well, because she really touched on an issue that a lot of people cared about, but like it backfired because of the way it was spun and the way it was targeted. 
But um, I mean, for me, that made me, Matilda, what Matilda said um, made me love the Greens even more. It, mm. made, it really uh, solidified my support and thought it was a beautiful speech at the time. But um, the funny thing is, after me criticising them years ago, New Zealand is caught up and now environmental issues now feels like a, a number one or two issue where the point where like um, just the le- major parties have to talk about it, Jacinda and Simon Bridges, yep. they're forced to address it too. And even and even um, National is signing the Zero Carbon Act because they're like, yeah. hey, if we um, just put our heads in the sand in New Zealand, we will be irrelevant. Everyone has to be to different extents showing like they're trying on the environment. And so the Greens actually finally are at a point now, probably 20 years too late, but are finally kind of um, really relevant, whereas there used to be this niche, oh, yeah, go save the birds, you losers. Um, they're, they're finally having their time, and um, whether that will translate, who knows? Because while there is a movement for this, I still think next year is probably going to be, um, uh, <laughs> it's going to be Boris, Trump, national. I could be wrong, and I hope I'm wrong, but I would not be surprised. The power of populism and the power of scaremongering and the and the ability to uh, manipulate the Facebook algorithm. So you so you saying you think that maybe National will get back in? Uh, I'm not sure, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out. Mm. I was more I'm more sure about um, it was more part of my rule of three there, where I'm I'm pretty sure Boris Johnson will be back, and I'm pretty sure Trump will be back. I hope not. I detest both of those guys, but. I just, the way I see it going is that people are quite simple. We vote on just one or two issues. Yep. And in America, it's probably, you can scare people enough to make it all about immigration and abortion, which are two almost irrelevant issues, really, when you think about it. But like, you can scare people and it really affects people inside when they think about those issues. Like, people are passionate about abortion and probably often they're misguided because there's a lot of fake news about that and stuff like that. And what, people actually think about it um and it's interesting to see how certain sectors of society will throw all i mean you're talking about what's important to people like the evangelicals in america will throw all the other stuff about infidelity and all to the side because this this one person who looks like a troll um is gonna is is gonna try and ban abortion all of those things all those family all they're all gone yeah so you can see for them the thing they vote on is like the abortion that's it yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, I'm probably the same, so I don't want to cast too many stones because, I mean, there's probably just a few trigger issues that make me a green supporter. Which are? Um, I can't really think about it right now, but probably, um, probably, this is going to sound, oh, I'm going to sound like an asshole just saying this out loud. I don't want to say it out loud, but like, um, I guess just um, equity. I would love to see New Zealand be a place where a person like me who's, who's paid quite well mm. is paying a fair share of tax mm. and um, and helping the poor. I'm embarrassed to say, to say this out loud. but um, And I'd love to see corporations taxed as well. Like that for me is like the whole... If someone, anyone says um, that we're going to tax big companies, going to tax Google, Apple... Uh, uh, big corporations in New Zealand um, and not let them uh, get away with the low rates of tax they're paying at the moment, um, I would be really into that. So when you say equity, you're talking about equity within that kind of tax realm? Yeah, well, that's that's the way I think. We're getting to my personal economics right now and I'm not going to represent myself well. But um, I think the environment is another big issue that I'm very big on. And also just the, uh, I like the Greens' ability to fight for social justice. And I love how people attack that. Like, you're a social justice warrior. What's wrong with being someone who cares about, 
you know, trying to make the world a slightly better place. I'm not saying I'm going to achieve that, but um, well, that's like when people voting for the Greens might be able to help me do that. I don't know. When people get up in arms about calling someone a progressive, I'm like, well, hang on, but what's the opposite of that? Regressive? Yeah. <laughs> so if, this, if being progressive is good, you're saying being yeah. being stagnant or regressive. That's that's not good. Yeah. So surely we want progress. Yeah. It's. Um, I mean, politics has turned to an absolute uh, shit pit, and I hope it can. Um, I hope it can level out a little bit, but um, yeah. where, do, where do you go when? Uh, and I'm not asking you to give names or anything, but obviously it would seem most of the time there's not a Green Party member that's going to win an electoral seat. So you do you kind of go party vote Green, uh, electoral vote Labour, or how do you kind of split that normally? Candidate vote. Well, this is very. Per- I thought it was rude to ask who you vote for. I don't care. <laughs> ask me if you want. <laughs> I don't give a shit. Uh, no. Nah, um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely split that way. Go yeah. um, candidate vote Labour, yeah. Because the Greens don't actually really look for party seats. They can't win I mean, one. They're too small. Seats, they're yeah. too small around the country. I Jeanette mean, Jeanette Simons won in, in Coromandel way, way, way back. Yeah, and I think that was probably a handshake deal with Helen Clark, right? Right, I'm not, I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember either, but like, Labour should do that for the Greens again to keep them in... It, it depends where they are. If they're, right now they're polling at 6%, they're fine. But if they start looking like they're not going to make it, it would make good sense for Labour to give the Greens a seat. I'm not saying... People quote me and they're like, oh, this is what the le- I, this is not what the Greens are saying. I don't know what the position of the leaders of the Greens are saying. I'm just saying that seems like no brainer. And vice versa. The funny thing is there's a bit of tension between Labour and Greens, I'm assuming. I get annoyed at the Greens for this, is that they run hard in seats like Auckland Central and mm-hmm. last year in Nelson, because I think they got um, uh, like a financial boost in Nelson somehow or something weird. So they ran really hard in Nelson, which is great because they got their, their party vote up in Nelson, but it meant that they split the vote because the Green candidate got like 9,000 votes and Nick Smith got in again who is a uh, uh, a, a, a long standing politician who I'd say most Nelsonians now probably don't really like but because Labour Labour finished just behind him and the Greens took a huge chunk Nick Smith gets back in uh, well I mean he would have been anywhere on the list I'm, I'm assuming but I don't know I don't know if National even wants him round anymore. He's quite, <laughs> he's he's had his day in the sun. Old but Nick the Smith. perfect example was always O'Hara Belmont with Peter Dunn, and I, I used to talk about that when I was doing talkback. It was like Labour and the Greens. You could get rid of, you could get rid of New Z- uh, United Future anytime you want. You just got to combine in that one seat, and he's gone. Do you think they could though? I thought um, O'Hara Bel- Belmont liked having um, Peter Dunn, didn't they? I or remember or looking at the numbers, and you add up the Labors and the oh, Greens. Oh, I get it. I get if the Greens pulled out completely. Handshake. Yeah, or, or, or vice versa. Yeah. All the Labor Party guys all gave to the I Greens. I mean, good on them, because it's kind of a dirty electoral trick, right? Like, good on them for not doing that so far, but at the same time, no. it's not dirty, but just like, play dirty. the game. It's like, um, it's like the amount of people that support ACT, yet they get a seat. And this is not an attack on ACT. Yeah. Um, just it, saying like, you know, like they would probably be out of Parliament if it wasn't for a handshake deal with um, National, right? Uh, yeah, I, w- I would think that's probably fair. And Paul Goldsmith, who runs in that Epsom electorate, I think is actively not chasing the electoral vote. <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think that I, I think that the right, and I don't think it's, it's dirty, Paul, to do a handshake. It's like when you're playing cricket. Do you? It's, do not, you, it's, it's not dirty. It's just um, it's the way the it's just a bit you're, of a cheap move. You're, you're playing by the rules. I don't know why National keeps David Seymour around. I guess they're like, oh, one day they will. Act will get a second member in or get enough. But, but yeah. Act has been bigger in the past. I think they've probably had as many as five or seven. But that's because they had like hot. Oh, yeah, they had a few years ago they were successful. Yep. Eh? Yep. So and Roger words, Douglas got back in and even, even he was like, wait, <laughs> I don't want to be here. Well, what's going this is a, This has backfired badly. You know, when like a few, that happens every every election. Like I think the Greens had that one year where they got in a few more people than they thought they would. And all yep. of a sudden, um, Mike Ward, the jeweler from Nelson, got in. They're like, wait. 
not him. He won the Wearable of Arts and then he became a politician. It was weird. Um, but yeah, the parties need a long list. I think New Zealand First has probably had that a few times as well where they're like, we didn't even have seven people on our list and now we've got seven seats. <laughs> Who are we going to get in here? As you say the opposite sometimes. I remember, oh gosh, it might have been the Conservative Party seeing people I knew at number kind of 63 on their list. And it's like, what? What have you, what? <laughs> number 63 on the conservative, like you're really, really, there's some wishful hope and hopeful thinking going on. Oh, well, yeah, it makes your party look big if you've got like a full list as well. And then yeah. I guess you can say for six weeks, I'm running for parliament. Yeah. And then never again. Like I, yeah. I was watching a YouTube clip today with someone, some nutter on the street in America who said, when I ran for president in 2012, and the guy was like, you ran for president? Because like anyone can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and he got yeah. three votes and one election. I'm one, running you know. for a president this year. It's not going to go well as I'm not a US citizen. But um. what, what, what did D's nuts get? He was like, were the, he was, a, was he a Democratic, Democratic guy that did the D's nuts? Because he was polling, like literally having like respectable numbers. Enough to and yeah, you look at you're, you're the you're in America. The there's real potential for a, a novelty vote though, like a protest vote. Like you'd vote for D's nuts just because be like, I hate everyone, which is kind of what people do in America when they vote for like the third party candidate as well. But that was sort of John Owen Ben or the McGillicuddy Siri as well. That was sort of our. It was um, Bill and Ben did it. Yeah, the, ben, it was sorry. the um, it was the pulp sport party back yeah. in the day. Yeah, um, yeah, they did, they did a comedy party, and I've always thought it's quite an interesting thing. Although it doesn't work in MMP because you you don't want to throw your vote away because a vote for a small party does actually count. Whereas it made sense when the McGillagalli party did it because you could only literally vote for two parties yeah. that would count. So you may as well throw your vote, vote away if you hate both of them. Yeah, there we go. Um, public polling had these nuts at 10%. So they had Hillary Clinton at 42, Donald Trump at 37, and D's nuts at 10. <laughs> that's a poll though. That's a, that's a probably poll. An internet yeah, poll. I would say I D's nuts in a poll. And then, this, yeah, yeah, this is a sample size of 1,000 people with a margin of error of 3%. So, you know, it's, it's a super accurate <laughs> Above the margin, margin of error, that's awesome. So that means it could actually be as high as 13%. Mm. Well, you know, like active always, like, they've, they've lived in the uh, margin of error numbers for a long time and they're in Parliament, so, yeah. Yeah, anything's possible. Believe in your dreams. It is interesting, the proportional idea about Parliament in New Zealand because one person, two point whatever, 7% of the vote they got for ACT, whatever it was, and still can make a pretty big change, whether that's right or wrong. You know, he's got his euthanasia bill in and some other things as well. Doing work, um, I, I wonder if there was always that question on what... I remember actually listening to Pam Corkery, of all people, do talk back on ZB when I was Legendary. Like, when I was like 18, and I, and it was the MMP vote. Yeah. And I voted for MMP when I was 18, or whatever it was, because I heard Pam Corkery in the evening saying, oh, God, these are all terrible, but it appears that probably the fairest of them all is this MMP. And that was enough, that's why. So I voted for wow. MMP. And I wonder if the, the tweaking of it that still needs to happen is, you know, you drop it to 2% rather than 5%, and then you might actually get representation. Yeah, I think I think the Greens are trying for electoral form at the moment. I think they want to drop it just to 4%, I right. think is what their goal is. If you get too small, though, you get... Whack, wacko parties or single issue pat parties. Well, that's, but that's like an independent in another system. So yeah. you have an independent. Yeah, okay. No yeah, good deal. point. I mean, they've only got one. They've only got one vote out of 140 in Parliament or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Yeah. And who's going to who's going to who's going to court the cat banning vote in New Zealand if it's low if it's not if it's at five percent? Yeah, and I guess we already have um we already have wackos in Parliament anyway. We might as well have a different type of wackos. Well, the thing is that there is I don't I won't even name any particular group, but you know there's a, there's a group of a hundred thousand people in New Zealand 
why should they not get some kind of representation? Or let's say 250,000 people, you know, why should they not get representation? It was like it was like the Conservatives. I think they got whatever the cutoff was, like 180,000 to get to the thing. They got like 140. And whilst I don't align myself at yeah. all with them, 140,000 people deserve representation in Parliament. Yeah, well, it's interesting because um, probably... I don't know how TOP will go this election, top or whatever, but um, both those millionaire parties, top and... Um, uh, I'm not trying to slag them off there. I just mean the parties that were driven by like one person spending and conservatives, if they didn't fall apart, would be looking strong this election. Like mm. you probably have to do a few to to be strong, and um, uh, you have to do a few to be strong. I don't know. I'm I, I'm, I'm cooked. I'm, it's too hot in here. And I've been here too long. Um, but yeah, like it just takes um, it takes a few elections to become known. Yeah. And if Gareth just stuck with it, they might have more success this election and conservatives definitely would be building every year if um, it turns out that Colin Craig wasn't the worst person in the world. I know. Please don't take me to court. But uh, yeah. No, you say, in my honest opinion. In my honest opinion. He is the... Worst person <laughs> the world's ever seen. No, there's, there's worse people than him. There is worse people. There are worse people but than him. But he's not great. He's not tops. But there is an honest hell belief there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can, An honest, honest opinion. You can have your honest opinion. Um, hey, um, when it's, we've been chatting away here for an hour and a half. Yeah. Just flies by. I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me, guys. You're um, you're all sold out in Dunedin. Yeah, I'm lucky that um, New Zealand Today has been successful and people are coming along to shows. So I'm um, living to Vida Loca. Would you think about doing something yourself on the internet, be it video or whatever? Because it seems like that clip that we showed of, of Segura, it seems that what they got those guys do is obviously there's a much bigger marketplace, but they'll do a podcast or they'll do something themselves independent and that drives their sale of tickets to, to, to their comedy. Totally, totally, totally. New Zealand's a bit, as I said, just a bit small at this point. Like I'd right. love to be doing it, but like if I get desperate... I'll definitely look at that. Those guys aren't desperate. That no. guy, those guys are doing a million dollar tour. So like spending a hundred thousand dollars on a on a dance video, they probably didn't spend that much, but they're spending tens of thousands of dollars on a video makes perfect sense. Yeah. Whereas um, for me, I'm not clearing that sort of money. Like all I'm doing is what I can do. You put another video up. I like how you just like railroad the conversation just by pulling up your own weird video. You'd be like, here's a video of a cat <laughs> talking to a, a dog. I think what Jason's about to do is say, we had the Flat Earth guys in as well. One of the no, most, just one of the first most, ones that came up. Most, with enjoyable, most enjoyable conversations we've had. It was so much fun. Are you fun. kidding? I hated talking to the Flat Earthers. It. it was the worst day of my life. I went mental. I like lost my mind. It was oh, so frustrating. I, I, I've too. said this a few times on here, but like I my brain went into one of those sort of feedback type loops for weeks afterwards just going to be like how do you believe this how do you believe this like trying to rush I, I quite literally was losing sleep after talking to them I think I, I think I learned a bit from doing to talking to the flat earthers and what I learned I think was that well, A, flat earthing is the ultimate conspiracy theory. So you start with the moon landing or something small, Kennedy assassination, which are, there's genuine questions about, I, I think, I'm pretty sure we did the moon landing. You guys in on the moon landing or against the moon landing? Uh, I am I am happy to accept that the moon has been landed on. I'm pretty sure we land on the moon. Um, I, I, um, I'm in the school of thought that um, believes that Stanley Kubrick did it, yeah. um, but he is so method that he insisted they shoot it on location. No, look, can I tell you something as to why the moon landing gets questioned? Why? It's unquestionable that some of the images that were used to show the moon landing are not on the moon. There are some studio shots in there. You reckon? Absolutely. Right. No question. Um, but, you know, like, say, for example, they drop out and they're not good enough. It's not – and so they put – they insert something. And I'm not saying it – but I, I think without question it happened. Of course it happened. It makes more sense to me than – 
secrets being kept for 50 years by 3,000 people. Yeah. Um, but I think that there is a little bit of conjecture around all the footage and that kind of stuff. So so moon landing is just a good example of a, of a conspiracy theory that everybody has an opinion on and like there's be a lot of normal people out there who are not insane, who are not on weird deep holes on the internet, who are... Um, uh, Question the moon landing. Yep. Um, that's probably not a good example. Um, Kennedy assassination is perfect. Every, like, no one really knows what happened there. Everyone has some sort of conspiracy theory on that one. And when you get into one of these gateways, you know, 9-11 is another perfect example. Like, well, if, even if you don't believe that um, it was a controlled explosion or some, something crazy, you might, um, you might just believe that, like, how did the US military not know or, like, why was the response to go fight Iraq for some reason, you know, like the the whole thing is very murky, yeah, to say the least. So it inspires conspiracy thinking, and then when you got that 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 hole, conspiracy theorists have linked them all together, and you just start climbing, and you'll find that doesn't like doesn't the nine eleven documentary that got everyone questioning it. Doesn't that documentary, the one about controlled explosions, I can't remember what it's called, it's called Loose Change or something like that. Exactly doesn't that called. go anti-vaxxer at the end or something like that? Oh, I can't remember. Like they're all connected. Like that's the thing. It's like you, you're going down one conspiracy theory and it leaks back and like you don't, you can't believe it, but they're all linked together and the Pope's involved and the Rockefellers and stuff like that. <laughs> and where they all come together is at this beautiful apex of conspiracy theories, which is the ultimate umbrella conspiracy, which, which covers them all, which is the flat earth, which is the greatest conspiracy of them all. And the most hilarious thing about the flat earth conspiracy theory is you can di- disprove it like that. Yeah. Like it, one, one, one video of a ship going over the horizon and it's disproven. Oh, you'll start, you, you're going to, you're going to get them attacking you. Do you know what's a funny one? Um, tweet about <laughs> Michael Jackson and see how they come in. Um, I tweeted about Michael Jackson, not positively or negatively, just tweeted, um, um, I feel like, um, I can't remember what the store I was in. I feel like Whitcalls is playing more Michael Jackson since the allegations oh. or whatever. It was just, I was just pointing out that I've just heard a lot of Michael Jackson in the store or whatever like that. And just like 500 insane Michael Jackson fans came at me, like um, attacking me or supporting me or whatever the hell they were doing. It was, you know how you just get into that, you know? And when you trigger like a certain like niche of the internet, they will go um, ape on you. It's quite funny. But um, yeah, flat earthers, I can understand why they're like this. They're the ultimate conspiracy theory. And it must feel good when you are someone, and let's be honest, most of us are pretty small people who don't get a lot of say in the world and don't feel very special. And we all want to feel special. It's quite nice to wake up every morning and go, I know something that the rest of the world doesn't know. Mm. I'm smart. Everyone else is dumb. You know, why don't they listen to me? Because I've cracked the code. I think that this conspiracy things can be harmless, right? They can be a bit of fun. It doesn't really hurt anyone, the Flat Earth. But then, as you say, the path it takes. Like, I'm proud to say I was banned from the Flat Earth New Zealand Facebook page. <laughs> but when I got actually quite angry with it was when a particular person, and I actually think it might have been the person you spoke to at the conference, started talking about the Christchurch massacre yeah. being a false flag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then this it's is like, what happens. I'm done with this. Yeah, I'm yeah, done. yeah, yeah, yeah. You, Unbelievable. You, you, you are a dangerous human being. So totally, exactly. And that's what I mean by it being the ultimate one, is that is that the flat earth is funny and a good old laugh, yep. but most of them believe in other major conspiracy theories that are um, just wrong. Yep. And it's really upsetting because... Um, they, they get into dangerous ones and that's where you get into anti-vaxxing and now kids in Samoa are dying yeah. um, because yeah. of measles. Like, it's just it's unbelievable that um, uh, that people can be that careless, but um, unfortunately that's just the mind of um, some conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So that was nice. Oh, do you want to just show this to wrap us up? 
We've all seen know. this. Have you seen? Yeah, Buzz well, Aldrin I think it's a good. Moon I think we need, we need more Buzz Aldrins in this world. We need volume. volume so the guy hits him up. Volume, volume. There is no volume on this clip. Oh, it's just a random one. I thought it was muted. <clears throat> He's like, time to have a bit of old-fashioned fisticuffs. And he punches him. I like how calm everyone else is. Bang! It's a good hit too. And the guy's just standing there watching it. Like I'd be like running in there and try and break it up or something. That guy, or at least going like, oh, like the reaction is crazy, world right? World star, yeah, world star. That was the first world star. Um, so you're in Dunedin tonight. You sold out. So be it. What about uh, the rest of the tour around the around the country? Anywhere else you're going? Where's next? Oh well, um, I'm travelling to Omaru, Timaru, Christchurch, Littleton, Dangiora. I'm trying to do all. I want to do. I want to go to these places. I want to do the west coast of the South Island as well. Beautiful. But um, there's no theatres there to do really, and, and except for like the big old one they've had from back the coal mining days, which is just you know selling 600 seats in Greymouth is going to be really hard. I think I'm not willing to try and take that on at the moment. But yeah, travelling around New Zealand, doing fun shows, having a blast, and hopefully coming to Auckland and Wellington hopefully announcing that next week as well so go williams.co.nz to find out where you're going to be when keep going keep scrolling up there Oamaru, this Sinamaru. is a great setup you guys have got here more South Island dates coming soon so that, I think you should go to the West Coast look yeah. I reckon I reckon at this time of year schools and stuff wrapping up find yourself a school hall that'd be dope yeah the problem is school hall, halls um, especially in the South Island it doesn't get dark it's so Comedy, you kind of need to be dark, lights right. focused on the stage, and all you need really is lights focused on the stage and um, dark audience and sound, and it's hard to create the the like, the like theatre atmosphere. And Because uh, I've done a lot of that, community halls and stuff like that. Last time I was in Greymouth, I did the Greymouth Scout Hall. It was off the hook. It was like 40 people packed in there. It was, it was when I was just starting out in comedy, it was sick, but like not really worth going back. But who knows, maybe I could do it again now. Okay, so let's put this out there. Have you, have you got a contact thing on your website? Scroll down, Jace. No, I'm not letting people contact me. I'm not your a Facebook. Through Facebook. People can contact you. Can't you can't contact me on Facebook. No, I'm turning that off. I will call, contact me and I'll give you guys number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People of Greymouth, you suggest a place for Guy to oh, come in. Oh, tweet me. Yeah, yeah, people in Greymouth have, tw- have Hashtag Twitter. Hashtag Guy come to Greymouth or some shit like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm keen to. I'm keen to. I'm, I will get there. I'm maybe maybe someone in Greymouth's going to go. I know the perfect place. It might be a 40-seater. Maybe there's a, a nice pub or a nice like cafe or something that can also double as a, a Yeah, venue. Pub, a pub could be okay, but even the pubs I looked at look like yeah. pubs where people are going to call me a homo and then punch me in the face. Um, I don't know. I love Greymouth, so I, w- I do want to come back. And Westport's got a nice theatre, so maybe I'll get to Westport as well. All right. Uh, GuyWilliams.co.nz, uh, Facebook, all those good things as well. Do Pretty they- much the whole tour sold out. But um, other than new shows, but other than new shows that will be coming soon. And thank you guys so much for having me on nice the fun. bloody uh, podcast. It was yeah. really, I really enjoyed it. So cheers. Cool. All right. Already, Guy Williams on the DOC, the Department of Conversation. Anything you can do to help spread the word of what we're doing would be greatly appreciated. Uh, you can like us on places like Facebook and YouTube, subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, subscribe to us on uh, Spotify or Stitcher as well. Uh, visit us on the DOC.nz. Consider maybe buying some merch while you're there. That will help us out as well. Uh, if you like what we're doing, then any of your support would be greatly appreciated. Spreading the word is probably one of the big ones as well. We've got some big plans for the 
this little podcast next year uh, and what we need to do is grow 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 it's like we've we've had our childhood years we're getting into our juvenile years and we need that growth spurt to kick in uh, as we go through puberty I'm not quite sure I'm a little bit uncomfortable with this analogy all of a sudden uh, thank you to Guy Williams for coming in um, coming up on Sunday a very special podcast with Rob Sarkis filmmaker and director he is a probably most well known I would think or most associated with the cult classic New Zealand film Scarfies but a, a huge list of award winning uh, entertainment has been produced and made by Rob Sarkis so uh, Sunday afternoon Rob Sarkis live here in studio uh, and then some more podcasts happening next week to find out more about who's coming up and when they're going to be on easy way to do is to visit our new face not our facebook page our regular website page www.thedoc.nz all right my friends until we see you next time hooroo